Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have some market commentary here this afternoon, but before we get into that discussion, some real quick notes and uh, mentions of the precious metals movement today. Uh, gold started off in the red. Uh, it really jumped up uh, throughout the day. Nice buying activity uh, in the green today in preparation, I think, with uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's uh, discussion about inflation happening tomorrow during the Jackson Hole symposium that's happening virtu- virtually. Uh, gold right now at $1,953.55, excuse me, December gold co- uh, futures basis. Uh, silver having a nice day as well. That's up to $27.37. Futures basis up over a buck or about 4%. Uh, the miners per the GDX Oh, great day up to up over two percent uh right at 4151 the gdxj uh, also a nice day up over two and a half percent uh to 5840 uh, so that's a quick rundown of the numbers today in precious metals uh, we are going to turn away from precious metals right now and rejoin our friend who joins us once a month from uranium insider mr justin hun justin pleasure to have you back on the show thanks trevor pleasure to be here uh, last month when we chatted, uh, we there's a lot of news from Cameco after their financials, so that took a majority of uh, that conversation, and uh, their share price really took a hit off those financials, and they talked about the reopening of Cigar Lake. Uh, but if you look at that stock chart now, it's basically full recovery. Uh, what you know, it's seen a nice, seen a lot more buyers come into the stock. Yeah, it has made a pretty nice recovery. Um, Volume hasn't really been there, but the chart looks pretty good. Um, I think that the market is just slowly kind of recognizing that the the sell-off due to that announcement was a little bit overdone. Um, and, it, and it happened because nobody was expecting it. I, I don't even think people at Cameco were expecting it besides the, uh, besides the guys running the show that made the announcement. Um, so I think that we've had time as investors in the space to sort of digest that news and recognize that well they are a company they do produce uranium that's how that they earn money and um you know maybe they don't believe that they can get what they need from the spot market in order to fulfill their contracts so the cigar lake mine is is pretty much fully contracted for the life of the mine so there's roughly 180 million pounds on contract from uh from cameco and from orono that are that are coming from Cigar Lake for the next eight years or so for the life of the mine. So it's not like they really can keep it offline for very long and expect to buy all they need to fulfill those contracts. They also have customers that have purchased from them, at least in part, because that's Canadian produced uranium. They're, you know, seeking out uranium that's not coming from from Russia per se in some cases. So it's it's important that they do maintain some production and. I also believe that they have doubts about being able to to get what they want from the spot market, especially in light of Kazatomprom announcing that they have been buying on the spot market, which is absolutely unprecedented. And if if they both if these if the two biggest producers are both purchasing uranium, um, they kind of need to hedge their bets and make sure that that they can get what they need uh, from their own production as well as from the spot market. And for people out there listening who may be unfamiliar with the uranium sector, why is companies like Cameco or Kazadimprom buying on the spot market so significant? Well, because they're they're producers. Um, I mean, this is buying uranium is not really part of their business plan. 
um, for the most part. I mean, they 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 mine uranium from the ground and and sell it. In some cases, Cameco converts it because um, Adam Prom has conversion um, and enrichment as well. So uh, they they're they're uranium producers and and they're in business to sell uranium. And so the buying of uranium by Cameco started after they closed MacArthur River in 2018. And that was uh, a pretty big move. They could see that the market was oversupplied. There's a lot of mobile inventory out, out there. And um, they knew at the time that without curtailing some production and cleaning up some of that mobile inventory from the spot market, that the market was going to take a lot longer to recover. So that was a smart move. A lot of people think that they should have done it earlier than they did. Um, and Cigar Lake obviously uh, was was unexpected due to COVID. So nobody in the industry was expecting the mine shutdowns that happened this year. Because um, Prom is a huge, huge producer. Uh, they, they produce um, uh, about 23,000 tons of uranium a year, which is about 60 million pounds. And uh, by far the biggest producer in the world. <clears throat> and so they... Um, their, their well field development has been halted due to COVID for four months is just now kind of starting to come to fruition as far as impacts to their production because of the delay. During that halted period, they still were uh, maintaining fluid flow through their ISR wells, um, still getting some production from previous wells drilled. And so even they are saying in their own uh, company statements that they don't know yet what their production uh, impacts are going to be. And so they've admitted that they've started to purchase on the spot market. The volumes haven't been huge, but really the impacts, like I said, are ahead of them. They're for the second half of the year, potentially even into the first or second uh, quarters of 2021. So there's still a lot of unknowns out there um, when it comes to supply. We don't know if Cigar will be back online without any hiccups whatsoever, if they'll be right back on full production. I'm kind of expecting that they will be back on with full production, but it's still a bit of an onion. And just the depth of the spot market into the third and fourth quarters of this year. Um, well, I, let's say the fourth quarter, we're already into the third quarter. Um, is, is, is very much an unknown. I follow up with the spot market. You know, I have noticed over the last, well, basically all summer, the spot price of uranium, there's very little activity. I would think that two major producers going in and buying on the spot market would cause some sort of fluctuality or volatility in the spot. But why why is the uranium spot price not really move much? Um, well, it's typically – this is a seasonally slow period of the year. Um, so, so very rarely will you see heavy volumes in the summer. One exception, one exception to that was – after MacArthur River closed was in July of 2018. There's a lot of spot market activity in response to that. Um, that was a really big move for the industry for them to close that mine. Um, but honestly, I think that there's still just too much overhanging the sector right now with the Russian suspension agreement that uh, was supposed to be ruled upon in the past couple of weeks, but it got delayed till October. Well, we should know in October. That's, um, how they're going to move forward with that. The existing Russian suspension agreement, which limits um, Russian imported uranium to 20% of demand for the United States, uh, that ends at the end of this year. And so it needs to be renewed or or, or closed or, or modified. That's a big overhanging element to the industry. So if you combine that with the fact that 
still there's a lot of utilities that likely are not sure whether or not the spot market is uh, going to provide um, after all of the COVID situation, supposedly um, when we're in the clear from that. So there's kind of this let's wait and see sort of vibe going on in the industry right now. You also have utilities that have deliveries um, that are at least partly linked to the spot price. And so to the extent that utilities come into the market right now, into the spot market and move the price up, that will affect the bottom line of potentially themselves or other utilities. So there just kind of seems to be this let's wait and see um, situation right now, even though we're hearing that um, UXC, which is kind of one of the larger um, consultants in the industry, is starting to kind of fire out some warning shots of expect higher prices and we're unsure about the spot market supply, things like that. So um, I think that they're biding their time waiting for the Russian suspension agreement um, to come to fruition, the Iran waivers. Uh, this last waiver supposedly will expire tomorrow, if not renewed, um, or this week, excuse me. So we should hear news on that. That's a pretty big deal for Russian supply as well. So there's just a number of factors that are still overhanging. And I think that the real action for this market is going to come in Q4. You have the beginning of the fiscal year for the for the U.S. utilities uh, in October 1st. So um, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of pieces that are still coming together for this. Uh, that Russian suspension agreement sounds like pure politics, but that's pretty big catalyst for the industry. And um, I know there was a couple articles floating around earlier this week. Uh, I know we were in basically, well, when are, when are we not in any sort of political season here in the United <laughs> States? Uh, but more so uh, this week and last two weeks and this year um, than usual because of the uh, the election coming up in November. Uh, but it sounds like that the Democrats, uh, there's some conversation about their willingness to uh, maybe pursue pursue more nuclear power. This is pretty significant. Indeed, yeah, that's quite uh, that's quite a sea change. Um, historically, the, the 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 left, let's say, Democrats have not really been all that supportive of nuclear, um, primarily because the the environmental left historically has not been in favor of it due to um, a couple of meltdowns that have happened in the past and um, and the nuclear waste, at least in the United States, still don't have a, a solution really for what to do with it. It's safely stored on site for all the power generating um, plants, but, but it's been a point of contention for a very long time as far as um, settling on a location to safely store the, the waste from nuclear, which is, it's, it's really an overstated quote unquote problem because it's, it's one waste material from all of the various energy sources that actually is very highly regulated, very safely stored. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a non-issue to anyone that really knows a lot about the sector. Um, but yeah, it's great to see. Um, you know, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell really, where, where, where the support is um, when it comes down to the brass tacks and whether or not it's just rhetoric and, and playing political games. Even we've heard so much positive uh, coming from um, a lot of bipartisan, but also just kind of from the from the Republicans and the states, including the president and the secretary of energy, um, just supporting nuclear. Um, a lot of really bold statements, but yet to see anything really uh, concrete come into play for that. I mean, it's been a crazy year. There's there's no doubt about that. So it's hard to really fault 
um, anyone in the government for not moving forward forthrightly with some of these programs they've been proposing, just trying to literally and metaphorically put right. out fires. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but either way, yeah, it's great to see that they're, that they're at least saying that they will consider it as part of a green energy program going forward. Well, and, and I, I should preface, like I, I asked that question and should have said like it by no means would that, you know, maybe lift that Russian suspension agreement by any means. In fact, it might make it worse given that the, uh, one half of the political parties here in the United States are, have such tensions with, uh, the Russian state, I would, would maybe assume that a Republican win in November would maybe lift that suspension. But who knows? I, I don't know. I, that's just my right. notions here. <clears throat> right. Well, I, you know, at the same time, I think that even the, the Republicans also are both sides are in support of the nuclear utilities um, in the in the deregulated markets. They have to compete with, um, you know, oil and gas energy production, which has been very cheap for the past few years. So the and, and and Russian supplies been very reliable. It's it's not necessarily that it's always that much cheaper. It's certainly cheaper than what the United States can produce, which is kind of the whole uh, the whole reasoning for the Section two thirty two petition and the Nuclear Fuel Working Group. But other countries can produce, you know, in similar similar prices as as the Russians, and it's just been a reliable source of of uranium. So I don't think. You know, only maybe the more politically vigilant really want to cut out Russian uranium entirely. I don't see that happening. I think that the suspension agreement will likely be continued. I think that we'll stay at that 20% mark. I don't know. There's been some contracting beyond 20% by some utilities for a number of years out into the future. Um, if it is reinstated, they're going to be requesting that those contracts be grandfathered. I don't know if that will be granted. If it is granted, that's not the greatest thing, but it's not really a huge piece for the sector. If it isn't granted, those utilities will have to seek new contracts from non-Russian supply for the grandfathered, for the uh, beyond 20% portion of their contracts. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't think it's just going to drop out because at that point, then um, Russian uranium is exposed to 115% tariffs. And I don't think that's really going to be good for for, for anybody, especially the utilities. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Justin, one big piece of news that had uh, been mentioned was uh, URA, uh, the big uranium ETF. Uh, it's a kind of restructuring how how much of a, how many pure plays, uh, uranium pure plays it has in its holdings. And this is a big jump. Right, yeah. It's um, not only are they increasing the percentage of their of their um, of their holdings from fifty percent to seventy percent pure play as far as their actual um, their actual assets under management to fifty to seventy percent pure play uranium companies, but they actually uh, in the rebalancing a couple of names were added. The minimum market cap was fifty million dollars U.S. free floating, so outside of insider ownership had to be above. $50 million U.S. market cap. So they added Global Atomic and they added Boss Resources. Um, and then all of their existing holdings are getting a nice little tailwind this week from some indiscriminate buying <laughs> from URA, which is a nice change. You know, they had indiscriminate selling on a couple of occasions and they're rebalancing. Um, I believe it was last July and then um, January of this year. 
when the sector was already pretty beat down and it just kept bleeding out. It was pretty rough in January. So it's, it's nice to see them turn around and it's nice to see the sector catch a bid. Honestly, the stocks have been really strong over this past month. We've seen very little news. We've seen uh, the announcement of Cigar coming back online. We've seen the spot price slowly kind of slip, although it's primarily been a function of a, um, a discrepancy between uh, location deliveries for, for spot uranium. Um, the three main conversion sites where uranium is stored, there's been a premium at Cameco of 2 to $3 uh, per pound, and that premium has slowly started to slide. So it's not like the spot price has really been getting hammered, but it's been trickling down, and, and the stocks are holding strong, and it's, it's been great to see. I, I think that there's, over the past year um, or two even, there's just been a, a pretty thorough washout of weak hands, and I think the believers are, are in and holding, and, and the sellers just aren't there like they have been. So it's, it's very good mm. to see, and I think that we've got a strong Q4 and uh, a very strong 2020, excuse me, 2021 ahead of us. Yeah, it has been interesting to watch uh, seeing the inflow of money coming into the uranium space. It, 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 you know, in the mining and resources industry, it has been dwarfed a lot by the amount of money coming into gold and silver per se. But for sure, um, still a healthy, still a real healthy move over the last couple of months. So that's been nice to see. What what could really supercharge this uh, this move? Well, unexpected news I think could really supercharge it. Whether that's, um, I mean, if that if that final Iran waiver is not reinstated, um, I guess that would be in the next week, in the, the next couple of days, actually. And that has implications for Russian supply. That could be a major, major ordeal. Um, I don't know that it would happen immediately. We could see some reaction to that. We could see some increased buying of SWU, of uh, separative work unit um, enrichment, essentially, because... The, all the Russian supply that comes to the United States is enriched uranium. Um, so that would be that would be kind of a big catalyst. I'm not expecting that, to be honest. Like I said, I don't think the timing really is right. Just go cold turkey, cut off Russian supply, whether it's through the RSA or the Iran waivers. But it could happen. You know, there's a lot of political games being played here. So we'll see about that. I think um, some news out of because Adam Prom regarding just more clarity on what they're seeing with their production impacts. Oh, one piece of news that, that we didn't discuss that came from because Adam Prom was a confirming of the uh, continuation of 20% production, uh, production at 20% below their subsoil use contracts extended through 2022. Um, so their subsoil use contracts are essentially like their their mining license um, from the state of of Kazakhstan, and so uh, of Kazakhstan. Excuse me. So they're they're basically allowed to exceed or or um, or go under this certain level that is set by these subsoil use contracts, and for the past uh, two years, and already stated through 2021, they've announced that they would be. Uh, at 20%, which is the maximum they can go um, below the production guidelines from those contracts. So either they, uh, you know, the, what they're stating as reasoning for this to extend it out through 2022 is that they're not seeing the market signals to really um, prepare for um, increasing their production back up to those guideline levels. Um, so they're they're not seeing the contracting that they want at the prices that they want. 
And, and I believe that that's true. I also believe that they might see some writing on the wall with their production. And um, I don't think that they are going to have the production levels that they've stated for a number of reasons, not just from the COVID halting of well-field development, but also from um, just kind of my expectations of, of high grading of them going after the best, the best resources, the, the, the highest grade mm -hmm. sections of their deposits first. Um, and even with their stated production guidelines out into the future, you can see um, the expectations of production drop steeply towards the end of this decade. So they know that there's, um, there's production declines coming in the future, and perhaps those are coming sooner than, than we might think. Yeah, well, deposits don't last forever, right? No. There's always a finite, finite amount of resource, no matter what you're whatever, what you're mining and producing. True. Uh, Justin, thank you so much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get this information from you every, every month when we connect and talk us through what's been happening in the uranium sector. It's something, uh, you know, we don't spend a whole lot of time about, but, uh, what you share with us is very valuable for myself and all of our listeners. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Trevor. I'm happy to chat anytime. Uh, before we let you go, give us a rundown of the newsletter and where people might be able to connect with you for further questions. Sure, yeah. So I, I have a uranium-focused newsletter um, called Uranium Insider Pro, and that can be found at uraniuminsider.com. Um, it's, it's grown really well this year. We've got a great community of people. Um, I've, I've hired some staff. We're putting out a very solid newsletter um, now. We're, we're making it much more professional much more thorough um, and much more dense and less frequent. So um, coming in the next week, week and a half, uh, the September letter was just just really, really thick. We've been working really hard on it. Um, I, I really think that we've, we're in a great place right now um, for accumulation, even though the stocks are looking strong. I think that, um, that the next couple of months, let's say, before the fourth quarter is gonna be a great time to continue to accumulate, which is what I'm doing. Um, and is what we're recommending to our newsletter as well. So um, people can reach me there at uraniuminsider.com or Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, I try to be as accessible as I can um, at, at Uranium Insider on Twitter. All right. Justin, thank you so much. Have yourself a great weekend. And uh, you're based in California. I'm in Colorado. Both of our states are on fire. So please <laughs> be very safe. I mean, I hope your air quality is a little bit better than ours is here in the Denver metro. Uh, it has smelled like smoke and oh. hazy and hot all day. It's just miserable. Oh, I, I sympathize. It's clear today. Last week was pretty bad. And we've, we've had it a couple of years in a row where it's been pretty bad for a number of weeks. So hang in there. Yeah, we're, we're all safe here. We had our big fire in the winter of 2017, 2018. So not expecting that to, to hit us again for another couple of years at least, hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, be safe, my friend. You as well. Thanks, Trevor. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow morning with the news briefing. Have a wonderful evening.